Hey everybody, yeah, thanks. I think we're going to start making toast and stuff now. I just want to start out by saying thank you on behalf of myself, Asher Griffith, groom and director of support and live feed on Happy Hour, and my beautiful bride-to-be, Veronica. It really means the world that all of you have come out to support us today, and I'd like to take just a moment, just a brief second to mention that we on Happy Hour also depend upon your support. If you'd prefer it to buying a wedding present, just pledge $1 a month or more at patreon.com slash itsneworleanshappyhour. Can you make that two drinks? It's Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they're just going to have a limousine or just going to jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is a couple of blocks down from Napoleon Avenue, where they have a four-hour happy hour here every day from 3 to 7 p.m., where drinks are half price and bar food is half price. I'm not making any of that up. That is absolutely true. Four hours. Four-hour happy hour. That so seems you can, fair. Yeah, so you can do, like, a lot of drinking in four hours and be totally drunk for half the price that you would normally be drunk for on a regular weekday afternoon. I want to say, if you're looking for Andrew Duhon, he's not here today, so that's a sad situation for everybody, but there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's on the road. He's somewhere on the West Coast. If you're looking for him, you can find him at andrewduhon.com. Thank you very much to Basics Swim and Gym, Hangover Destroyer, and the Positive Vibrations Foundation, all who made this show possible. And if you'd like to join us and be a part of our Patreon family, you can go to patreon.com, and for as little as $1 a month, as you probably already know, you can be a member of our Patreon family. Now, sitting around the table here are three illustrious New Orleanians no one's looking at me. They're all in their phone. Oh, Laurie Tipton is looking at me. Hi, Laurie. Welcome back. Hi. It's so nice to be back it's on so the show. It's so great to have you back because you are the person who has had the most popular happy hour ever <laughs> of all time. The most listened to and the most downloaded ever. Oh, well, thank you. I, I actually had somebody come up to me. I think I mentioned this on social media at the Ace Hotel and said, I listened to you on that podcast talking about your shallow vagina. That's what I think that's. I think that's what got us all those listens, isn't it? I'm telling you. You and your vagina. How is your magical. shallow vagina? Is this as good as ever? It is just as good as Same it's always Same as ever, been. okay. I can, no complaints. No, nothing. Nothing wrong nothing. with it. Okay. I'll keep you posted. We, we never get a definition of shallow, I don't think, at the time, but we can get on to that later. Yeah, absolutely. Like. I'm all about talking about okay. it. Okay. And the legendary Billy Ayuso is here as well. As shallow as they come. <laughs> From Billy Ayuso and the rest of natives, yeah, one, of right. the, one of New Orleans' great musicians. Thank you. I don't know yeah. how come you weren't born here. I didn't realize. I thought you were from here your whole I mean, life. look at me. New York is all over me. You can is tell it? it? Yeah, you can see it. Look at it. <laughs> you look like the most New Orleans guy in the world. No, I'm originally and, from New York, and uh, I, I migrated down here because of music. I was opening for the Meters and the Nevels, and they said, right. you should live in New Orleans. And I came here in 1996, about this time, January 96. Really? Can you, remember, can you remember what clothes you were wearing when you got here? Clothes? Yeah. What were <laughs> no, you they were optional back then. Yeah. <laughs> 96, you still, can you still fit into the same stuff? No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> you were a lot skinnier then? Yeah. yeah that happens sure. to everybody. Well, you know, in New Orleans, you get skinny sometimes as you run in the streets. And then when you decide to stay at home with your kids and stuff, you so pump, now pump back up. I'm pumped back up. You're again. back up? Yeah. You look good, actually. Don't well, you think? Lori, tell them the truth. You. you look great. Well, I mean, I don't you. think you look New York enough. You need like a live, laugh, love face tattoo. Well, I've been gone a long time. 
couple yeah. times. So, yeah. what is I got the neck tattoo. So, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a tattoo on your neck? Yeah. What does it say? 69. 69. 69. Well, hello. That's only on one side of your neck, though. That's right. What's that's the other o- side? The only, only half of me likes 69. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom half. I'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> David Villarubia is here. He's not used to this kind of board conversation, Come are you, David? He's much more sophisticated. David, is, are you the owner of the Degas House? Yes. David is the yeah. owner of the Degas House yeah. on Esplanade. And I love bar talk, by the way. You do? So you're okay Absolutely. with all this? Oh, hell yeah. Now, you used to be, I didn't know this, anything, I didn't know anything about this, actually, but you were an, an airline pilot? Yes. So you're a retired airline pilot? Yep. So you're like the world's most interesting person? Uh, no, not, not really. Not Second. really? Second most interesting. Sully. But, but Sully, I, the guy who landed the plane. But I do like beer. <laughs> you, do, you do like beer? Absolutely. Who did you fly for? Uh, Delta Airlines. And why did you quit? Did you get grounded because of the alcohol problem? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> None of that's true, then. So no. I can cross all that off. This is actually an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Your wow. friends and family yeah. are outside. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. Should you invite the rest of them in? <laughs> well, I thought well, let's get through this first. Day. But you just retired, like... No, uh, no. Long story, but uh, they had some changes at Delta in order to buy Northwest Airlines, and they uh, had a Chapter 11. So my group left during that period to preserve the retirement. So I what left that mean? You got laid off? So that they- no, no. We had the option of staying or leaving, but right. it was a better deal to leave at that moment in time. And they've re- rebuilt into a great airline. So uh, what did you do? Yeah. When you say your group, what group was that? Uh, international captains. Wow, so you're an international captain. Mm-hmm. You yeah. look the part, doesn't he, when you look at him now? For sure. Do you still have your cap? Uh, yeah, I never, never really liked it very much. You but do? <laughs> do you get yeah. to fly for free forever? Uh, yeah, actually. Awesome. Are you single? Yeah, I am. <laughs> that was the next question. Okay. <laughs> All right. I am, but okay. you're definitely not my type. <laughs> but I could be just for a trip to Paris, right? Uh, just for a weekend. Uh, if, if we separate at the airport and we get there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have to talk to me on the plane, even. Uh, what about Lori? You can say Lori. Lori's totally available. Yeah. <laughs> Lori's already got two husbands, so one more. Yeah, one. Well, one husband, two other co-parents, and a couple of boyfriends here and there. But none of them are captains. I'm going to have to write this down. I mean, hey. some of them might like to be called captain, but none of them are actually <laughs> captain. <laughs> You got two, what do you got? You got two boyfriends. No, I got one husband. One husband. I have to write this down. You got one. I can put it on the table. <laughs> you can write it on the table. One, one, two, one. I have one two, husband. Two, two other co-parents that are both males. Right. That's my a son gay has couple. Three who, yes. Right. My right. son has three fathers. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. That was a good one. Yeah. That's my tagline. Do you want to explain <laughs> that to these guys? That's a song. Yeah, it, would you like to? We could perform oh, it man. later. It might, it might be a blues song. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, so me and my partner, who's now my husband, we couldn't have children together. Mm-hmm. So we chose a homosexual couple to co-parent with. Awesome. And so we live within a mile of each other. We share all duties parenting. We um, split time evenly. This morning, the four of us went on a tour of kindergartens together. Wow. And they were a little confused. They're like, okay, so who's who? We're just like, it Keep doesn't matter. Real. We're all going to be here. I love so it. just. Yeah, How do you explain that to the kindergarten authorities? Well, usually I say, well, we're all his parents. And then if they keep looking, I'm like, then I'll be like, we're his biological parents. And then we'll kind of step to the side. This is one couple. This is another couple. It's a shame that they make you go there. They they usually don't. You know, usually they don't. But sometimes people are a little confused. And and we're fine with it. I mean, it's not always, you know, you don't always see a a kid with four parents like us. That's awesome. A lot of us, you know, we look a little... Tattoos and as a parent, I would like to have a couple other parents. To oh, help that's me why out. I just especially <laughs> financially. Yeah, well, oh that was one of the reasons that I 
you know, went into this this the way that I did is because it is so hard nowadays, especially for single parents. I don't know sure. how single mothers, fathers, grandparents do it. I have so much respect for them um, because it's so hard for me with three more parents to get everything done. How do you figure it out financially? Does everybody chip in an equal amount? Yeah, usually, well, let me be honest. Me and my husband are horrible savers. Spoiler alert. Okay. You like <laughs> to spend money. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm just well, not, very good. Wrong. not yeah. very good with saving you money. You get the next uh, round. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll write a check for it, guys. <laughs> I use air quotes for those who aren't watching. Um, but uh, the, my, the other two parents are very good at saving. So I'm like, okay, I'm really focusing on helping with the education. Wilder is very brilliant. I'm hoping he'll get a lot of scholarships. If not, they can fall back on this, you know. But we do. So you've, we just, got this, you've got this gay couple who are making all the money, financing <laughs> you and your husband's wild Basically, lifestyle. no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously that not too wild since good. I'm about to date him to go on a trip. Let's be honest. Well, he's pretty wild. He's the captain. Exactly. How do you feel about five people going along with the Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to work. Okay. So we can leave the other four losers at home, don't worry. That's no problem. How, how many times do you take people on a plane for free? Um, I mean, we're in a bar. Look, he's already undoing your shirt. That's, uh, that's a, uh, a, a trick question. No, uh, it's not. It, it really depends on uh, why I'm making the trip. So. Well, suppose you're talking I, like, to, I like to travel with one other person. Okay, suppose you're talking to a woman in a bar like this, right? Uh-huh. And you look across the table and you say, you know, hey, I could take you to Paris. Yeah. How often uh, do you do that is what I'm saying. Never once a year, once a month, weekly? Or? I, you know, I, I, I really, um, I'm a little more conservative than that. It just depends on, um, I guess I could. It's just a matter of... Um, you know, is she going to behave getting on the airplane? There's a certain level of behavior <laughs> that we have to that. have. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does it depend on? It depends on the, whether you think someone's going to behave in an airport or on a plane. It's uh, it's That's just, it? Look, yeah, you pretty can take much. Me, I, yeah. The way I look, I have to behave in an airport. <laughs> Or yeah, the federals are no, called. You're on a do not fly list already. So that's problem. the only requirement. I say it after 911. We went through every checkpoint just because of this because you beard look, and this Because you look complexion. suspicious, really? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Are you dark? Do you have not a dark complexion? Not that they profile anybody. anybody. You, look like no. a, you look like some sort of Arab terrorist or something, you think? In your I mean, own if mind? I dress the role, I could probably pass it. Yeah. You know, right well, now. What nationality are you? Know? Are you so? Is that Italian? I'm Italian. Yeah. Italian. That Italian Irish. So, yeah. Okay. I'm basically terrorist. So you could get away. But that was the original. I mean, seriously, yeah. Suspects. I mean, I'm Irish Italian. Yeah. But the, the terrorist goes on within us. It's not, we, we don't project it on anybody else. It's just internal. But that's the only requirement is you have to behave yourself on the plane. No problem. That's it, right? That's, that's the only what? requirement is behavior. You don't have. There's no sexual favors involved. Nothing. He's sitting uh, straight down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just checking to get the ground rules straight. David, are you interested in management? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he, owns a, he owns a restaurant and a... No, I'm talking music uh, management. Because right, I like the way but, he approaches all this. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah. But he's a natural. He's a real businessman. Yeah, I feel that. Because the Degas House is one of the best businesses in town. When you oh, think, yeah. I love the whole concept of the Degas House because... It, is it Edgar Degas was his name? Exactly. He stayed there for about five minutes, I think, or something, right? Once yeah. when he was 12 years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, he, he and painted... And so you've turned it into a whole... Yeah, he uh, he did uh, quite a bit of work in uh, in the five minutes he was here, though. How, how long? How long was he really Not here? Like for? most of us, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, how, how long was Degas in New Orleans for, for real? Four and a half months. Four and a half months. Right. Like I said, Bob Dylan was here longer than that, and so was Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and who else? But, but how much of the time when they were here were they actually here? 
I couldn't I tell mean, you. I don't know. I've, how much of all of us are actually here? That's yeah. Very, yeah, right now, are we really here? Even? <laughs> Would you I got to go. <laughs> so the guy was here for four months. Yep. That's all. And his whole entire life. And he lived to how old was he when he died, Degas? He was uh, 83. 83. Right. So you've turned that four months. I mean, that is pretty amazing. You've turned that into a whole the, the sort key, of a, I don't know what the right word is, but... Um, the key is that it's the only one. So, and he did prolific work while he was here. That he turned did. into the Impressionist movement. He wrote letters. Uh, thank goodness for the letters, because it helps to put it into context of history. And, and uh, the Impressionist movement followed, as he had predicted, in one of the letters he wrote in New Orleans. So it was a transitional moment for him. So um, the length of time really doesn't matter as much as the fact that we actually have a house of Degas somewhere, and Paris does not have it. It's the, the only one. Where did he live in Paris? Here, Montmartre. And, Why uh, isn't there a Degas house that he lived Well, in? he never married. He never bought any property. He had... Uh, he bought this house while he was here. Oh, no. No, no. He lived with family. His mother's family was from New Orleans. So he okay. lived there. His That's brothers great. had immigrated so over. I didn't know any of this. Wow, this yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. I'm learning all kinds of things. This is awesome. But, I mean, the way you capitalize on it, it's awesome. I mean, when I write a song, some take me two minutes, some take me years. Uh-huh. And the two-minute one usually is the one that people... So, you know, you yeah. capitalized on that in your own So world. you could, yeah. you yeah, could start up the Ayuso house. <laughs> yeah, I, already, I already have. It's right over there across Napoleon if you want to stop by. That's where you, you live uptown on Napoleon? <laughs> yeah, I live in this neighborhood. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, David can help you out and set you up with the whole business, and you can put a bed and breakfast in there. <laughs> no, I'm going to stick with where I'm at. But what, I'll, I'll leave go. that to the professionals. What you, so you have, we, it would be better if he were deceased first. Yeah. Oh, well, let's see oh, how, wow. the, let's see how the show coming. goes. No offense. Well, uh, it's coming. As, you, as your manager, you can still have to go. I am in the music business and 50, <laughs> yeah. so... No. So oh, you, t- you don't look 50 at all. Well, you're not quite 50, that's no, right. No, I'll be 50 next week. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. even next week, Dave, I don't who's think calling? Who is it? That's you us. want to take it? No, my, my office will pick it up. Okay. Thank you. So your <laughs> phone is forwarded to your office? Uh, the office phone is forwarded to me. I see. Oh, oh I see. But you yeah. don't pick it up so that it's someone at the office. Who's at the well, office? Yeah, they're there. So, um, so you have a full-time employees? Oh, yeah. How many yeah. people work down there? Uh, well, we have about six full-time Wow, it's pretty and, good uh, business. Some part-timers too. Well, we do a lot. We, you know, we do weddings. We have right. guided tours of the house with the great grandnieces of Edgar Degas leading the tours. The great grandniece. So, yeah. How about that? That's awesome. I've never heard of a great grandniece of Edgar Degas. That sounds like another song, actually. Though. Yeah, like a country have, music song. Yeah. What, what does a great grandniece look like? Uh, well, they are uh, retired ladies who. Uh, Okay. Have been uh, with me for quite some time. I guess the first one's been with me about 16 years, and the other one 12 or 13 years. So what happens and when they retire? Could Laurie take over? <laughs> who will know? I need, right? a, I need to get a period costume. Well, who would know when you get a great grandniece? So they don't dress up. Find in this city. <laughs> right. They're not dressed up though, are they? They just no, no, they're too. You could wear your regular outfit. Oh, okay. Yeah, you I can do that. I was hoping I could dress up, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could. What, did the, what era was Degas here? What years was it? Uh, 1872 and 3. Well, that's sort of... That's sort of my... Yeah. You might have to hide these tattoos. Now, you've got neck tattoos as well, I right? I do have a neck tattoo. What's on your It says, neck? heavy hangs the head that last night wore the crown. Heavy hangs the head that... Like, you think it says that, but it's on the back, actually. Yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had enough men tell me that's what it says. <laughs> okay. So you have a bunch of boyfriends as well as... I, well, honestly, to husband. be completely honest, right now I don't have a bunch of boyfriends. I've been keeping it low because I've been writing a book. 
And I, that's been taking a lot of my time. Right. And it's really hard when you're just out there trying to live everybody's sexual fantasy. You don't have as much energy for your own writing. And so it's been, I've been putting love on the back burner for a little while, to be honest with you. To, be, to become a, a novelist or? I'm writing a memoir. And it's actually not about my shallow vagina. It's like, is your vagina? No, one, no one's going to buy it now. Is there a chapter? <laughs> I mean, there might have to be an epilogue. What's, the, what's it called, the book? Um, the book is called In the Heart, Not the Head, an MDMA memoir. MDMA is... I'm familiar with that term. Yeah. <laughs> Billy has something to share. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm, I'm older than that. I was more of the old school drug user, but I more know More of a sort of pot and cocaine yeah, era. Yeah, that was definitely more my thing. Acid. So MDMA is ecstasy. Right. It is. And I was, uh, last year, I was one of the few people in New Orleans who was part of an FDA trial to treat severe PTSD with MDMA psychotherapy. Oh. Okay, wow. there's a lot of letters there. Yes, Severe P- it's all the acronyms. All the acronyms. <laughs> I'll take a vowel. <laughs> <laughs> Severe PTSD, that's post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress, stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And what did you have that from? Well, I have had several... Well, do we want to get dark now? Because I'm all yeah. ready for it. Okay. okay, well, we've got a couple of drinks. We'll, we'll have a dark bit, and then we'll have Billy play a song and lighten Perfect. it up. Um, okay, so let's do the dark So bit. Okay. I've been through, in my life, a few apex traumas or very significant traumatic events. Uh, the first one Can would we have, just stop for one second? What apex is what? Apex. An apex trauma is like a significant traumatic event in your life. So, in other words, instead of like okay. long-term chronic trauma of maybe oh, okay. having like a hard childhood, <clears throat> it's like an event. Like wartime might be an apex trauma. Um, For me, I suffered quite a few in a short amount of time. Uh, The first being my brother overdosed on uh, painkillers when I was 20 and he was 22. And then a few years later, right before Hurricane Hurricane Katrina in 2005, my mother killed two people and herself. And I was the one who discovered them. And then Hurricane Katrina happened. And then after that, in 2006, I was raped and became pregnant from that rape and had an abortion. Yeah, I told you I was I was going to okay. get dark. <laughs> All right. I told you pretty, it was going to get dark there for That's a pretty incredible line of events <laughs> yeah. to happen to anybody. And so, over what period of time was all this? One, so two years, 1999 to 2006 is when all those things so happened seven-year period of... Of bad fucking luck. Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, and so a lot of people don't necessarily realize that about me because I'm very high-functioning and really funny and <laughs> great yeah. to be around. Yeah, and you're a bartender and everybody loves <laughs> right, you and you're yeah. a celebrity. Um, and so it's, it, but it, it's been obviously like a lot of people who suffer from PTSD, it's something that really affects your day-to-day life. You know, I had a lot of, because of that trauma, a lot of fear and anxiety constantly. And I had tried everything to really deal with that, you know. So I had done pretty much all the routes you can think of that are legal, including, you know, traditional with therapy, you know, antidepressants, anti-anxieties. And then I had even gone to like rolfing, you know, yoga, meditation. And none of those things really had any lasting effects for me. Um, So I was really, you know, struggling and very suicidal at times, to be honest with you. So when I got the ability to be in this trial... uh, how, how did that happen? How did they um, find you? How did you find To be it? honest with you, I found it on social media, um, which is really awesome. And if anybody's listening <clears throat> and is interested in these trials, you can go to clinicaltrials.gov or maps.org and look at their clinical trials that are going on right now. Why were you looking at that? Um, well, it came up just as a post. I follow MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. I follow them online, and it just came up. in like, You follow my that, feed. David, right? Too. He must. Yeah. 
Okay. I, I'm, I'm all ears. Though. Yeah. All right. yeah. Okay. So and you start off by being interested in psychedelic. Well, yeah. I, I, I definitely. Heard of maps. Yeah, definitely. I thought maps was Google. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even kidding. I thought that's what you Well, if you about. go to maps.com, it's going to be something different. Maps.com. <laughs> no, maps.org is where you want to go for maps. this. Maps.org is where you can find out about what's going on in psychedelic absolutely. research. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really, wow, an, okay. it's incredible. Now, why were you following that? Just, um, just I've always been interested. In, in college at Tulane, I actually studied neuroscience, and so, okay. um, so, like, so you're you a know, neuroscientist. You, wouldn't, can you tell by the way I make a cocktail? I, I, well, <laughs> well, I guess that's a can pretty good background. Right? When you think about it. It is really. Do you have a degree in neuroscience? Did you graduate? I have a degree in psychology, and I specialized in biological psychology the year before Tulane created a neuroscience program. So wah, let me just wah. ask you this off the subject. Why did you go into bartending and not do something? Well, originally, I, when I finished, I went into disaster planning and recovery consulting and did that for several years because the money was so incredible. Yeah. And then when I got done with that, you know, bartending is just, it's a great it's a great opportunity in New Orleans. And but do you think there's some reason that you didn't want to have a real career because you? Well, were to be honest with you, I was I was going to go to um, yeah, absolutely, and I was going to go to medical school, but my what happened with my mother happened, right. and so that's when my entire you know trajectory changed dramatically, and so she really fucked you up with she that. Did. Killing <laughs> two you, people in Minnesota. It's a real fucking bummer. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> what made her kill two people in Minnesota? Did she? She was, was mentally she ill most of her life. Well, and she had bipolar disorder, and honestly, she was amazing. She she was very well loved. My mother was a house mom at a gentleman's club on Bourbon Street for over 10 years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Right so there. she had Which like, one? well, she worked originally at uh, Temptations and then she worked at Scarlet's. It closed and then she worked, um, Scarlet's got bought out by the, by the Hustler Corporation, which is Deja Vu Corporation. And she worked there just very, very, like for a week before all this stuff happened. What so. is a house mom, Gee, That's someone who like, takes oh, care man, of the girls? Yeah. It's amazing. They're basically like a dead mother for all the dancers. Well, the so they make dances. sure that they follow all the laws and there are a lot of laws concerning and they've changed significantly in the last actual year so she wasn't herself a dancer no when she was young she was a playboy bunny at the playboy club on iberville she was a billiard bunny yeah billiard bunny mm -hmm. was that someone who plays pool, pool with yeah. guys yeah and she got paid to play pool absolutely so she was kind of in in her whole life she was very groomed to think that the way that you looked physically was really important to being able to make money and things and so it kind of led her whole trajectory into working as a house mom and gentlemen's clubs and all that stuff and so she was very well loved extremely. Was she your mom at this time? Were you a kid when she was going to work down on Yeah, I was, my first my first job ever was a cocktail waitress at Temptations on Bourbon Street while I was at Tulane. Yeah, and okay. I learned more working in that strip club than I did in right. four years at Tulane to be honest with you. But, like, but when you were a little girl at home, were you at home while your mom was working as when I was a little girl at home, uh, my parents had divorced, and when I was with my mother during uh, half the year, she was a cocktail waitress at casinos at that point. Okay. She was not working in a gentleman's club, because there, there weren't as many at that time. It really was when they started to bloom on Bourbon Street, like a lot more gentlemen's clubs, is when she kind of got into the house mom business. So didn't you think that you were getting yourself out of this lifestyle by giving a degree from Tulane in neuroscience, which is a pretty big deal? You know, I never looked down at the lifestyle, to be honest with you. My father was a bartender at the Monteleon for years. My, that's where he met my mother. Um, I never looked down on service industry. I think I still don't. I think it's amazing. And so I didn't really think of myself as escaping that. I did think I would be in a much more academic situation than I am now. And it does at times wear on me that like the most interesting things I get to talk about at work aren't always what I want to talk about. Um, you know, and I do as a bartender, though, you would be surprised at how many interesting people sit at the bar. And I do get to talk about neuroscience. I wouldn't be surprised at all, actually. <laughs> Especially in New Orleans. It's unbelievable who yeah, you can meet sitting at the really, bar. It really, really is. Yeah. Okay. So who did she kill you, Ma? 
She killed, uh, well, she was, my mother was a lesbian, and she killed her um, ex-girlfriend and her ex-girlfriend's new love interest. So she busted them together or something and no, got jealous? Or? No, it was jealousy, definitely. Uh, but they, she didn't catch them like in any act or anything. It was a, what they would say a crime of passion for sure. But um, nobody knows exactly. I have my own theories. I believe that the two of them, the couple, <clears throat> uh, that my mother's ex and the new girlfriend, went to my mother's house to talk with her because they were all very close. And so I think they went there to kind of talk with her and explain what was happening. And my mother was not mentally stable. She had been really, she hadn't, at that point, she hadn't eaten or really for a few days. And, and I think, and she was, my mother was a very skilled shot. So she had taught firearm safety classes. I'm, I'm honestly, like she was very, um, so she was able, honestly, she shot them both through the heart and herself through the heart, one shot each. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. On that note, yeah, well, we're <laughs> let's get another drink. We're going to have a drink and we're going to come back to the story of how you got into the, I can see why you wanted to do the MDMA test. Well, yeah. And this, and that, what's going to happen is you're going to tell us that the MDMA, MDMA saved your life, basically. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's get on to that yeah. in a minute. First of all, Billy Ayuso is going to play a song <laughs> off his new album, which is nominated for Best Album of All Time in the History of Recorded Music. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's called Home by the Sea. And have you got, do you know, guys, you've seen Billy play, obviously. Yeah, he's, play, he's played at Ace before. I've yeah. played at the Ace. This yeah. guy's the real deal. Are you, David, are you familiar with Billy Ayuso and the Restless Natives? Uh, I am David, now. I have seen you spinning in the front row. Before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, this, guy, this guy is a legend and an amazing musician. <laughs> no, I hang around but, with a lot of legends. That's um, what it is. So it's I, a reflected glory. That's exactly what it is. No. But this record is really great, and it has been nominated for something. Yeah, for the Offbeats Best of the Beat Award. It's right. the first time I've been nominated since I've been here. I've been here since 96. And well, you know what it's like when you come to New Orleans. You have to put in the time before they believe that you're really well, going to stay Let me tell you what. I, I put in a lot of time in my first five years really quick. I was, <laughs> I was a tour manager for the Neville Brothers and the Meters, and uh, I worked for George Porter for years. And uh, so I... When I came to New Orleans, I was thrown right into the top of the New right. Orleans scene. So you were the you were a tour manager for the Nevilles. I worked. I was stage manager for the Nevilles. I was tour manager for George and the Meters. You must have about as many good stories as Laurie. I would think about. I got a lot of stories, yeah. and uh, it's a book worthy. But uh, these are my friends. You can't so really tell. I gotta them. wait till they check out before yeah. I put the book. Well, out. you better stay healthy because you have to. You need to outlive <laughs> no, them. I, I, exactly, and I, George Porter will definitely outlive me at this point. <laughs> he is looking good, and he's great. Yeah, he's he's rolling. one of those he's, guys. He's an inspiration so, to us all. So here. you turned fifty this week, next yeah, week, twenty sixth, the twenty sixth yep. of. January. January. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Pull it together, man. I, know, I, I have to write it down, otherwise You're I don't know. You're the host, know. man. Pull it so, together. <laughs> so you, and so you have a birthday party at Tipitina's... Yes. ...on that... The 25th. The 25th. So at midnight, Friday, at midnight I And hit. that's your actual birthday. Yeah. So Friday the 25th, yeah. you're playing at Tips with a whole yeah. bunch of... Also. I have my band. We're going to do a set of my music, and then the second set, we're going to do songs from 1969, and I've got guests like Brian Stoltz, Russell Batiste, Johnny Vidakovich, Reggie Scanlon... So many more, many more okay. people to announce. So, so the '69 on your neck is the 1969. Yeah, it's the year I was born. Okay, yeah. and you're reserving I mean, the other you side know, for the year you die. If the right or? person asked me, what yeah. it's for, <laughs> you know, for you, it's, it's the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are you going to play? I'm going to play a, um, a song that I wrote about a, a place that I go to. It's really a love song, but I like to write songs that don't necessarily. Like you listen to it and it might have a different meaning for you so okay. this is a song I wrote about the island of Jamaica which uh, I plan to retire to pretty soon so it's called uh, Gentleness About Her 
There's a gentleness about her A whisper in the wind Though I can't live without her There I go To her arms again The smell, the sound surrounds her Like a sweet song In the wind But her touch is so familiar Just like a comfort Of an old friend There's a gentleness surrounds her Gets under my skin Though I can't live without her There I go Back to her arms again The smell, the sound surrounds her Like a sweet song In the wind But a touch is so familiar There I go There I go I would not have guessed that was about Jamaica. No, you're not supposed to. David, what would, you, <laughs> what would you have thought that was about? Well, I was thinking Caribbean because you had kind of introduced yeah. that thought. Did you fly to the Caribbean when you were a pilot? Uh, Aruba. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Of course, it's, uh, yeah, the islands. It's not far. But I've traveled to the Caribbean. It's, not, it's, not, far. So it's we, not far. When are you retiring to Jamaica? I'm actually, my wife and I are trying to figure out a way to buy this house. We actually looked at a piece of property You've got there. a place in yeah. mind. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and we're going to go part-time. I still have kids in school here, so it's, uh, you know, I have a lot of downtime. My wife has her own business. What does she do? She walks dogs. Hey. She takes care of dogs. Really? That's awesome. We can kind of, you know, plan out things where we could go for two weeks, three weeks. Right. And, and then eventually I'm just going to. You know, not come back. I mean, a home by the sea is, is you know, Who wouldn't I've want always that? wanted that. So. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Haven't you? Laurie, wouldn't you like to live by the I've been escaping, yeah. uh, trying to escape the real world for a long time. That's right. what I ended up here for. But uh, This is as close as you can get it's to. It's starting to get so real, i got to go even further. You need to find something. <laughs> what about a, a country where they don't speak the language, where you could be I'd love to. Like I just Mexico. can't afford most of them. Well, Mexico uh, Mexico, Mexico I could, but Italy, I fell in love with Italy, too. But uh, That's nice, too. It's so too how far. much do you have to pay for a house in Jamaica that, on the sea? Well, the one that I found is uh, very, very cost-efficient. Um, it's a one-time option. Opportunity. Um, right. I, I don't really know. I think that there's a range from anywhere from ten thousand dollars to a million dollars. You know, it's well, just. yeah. But right. I mean, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere in the country, there's houses everywhere for nothing. But you know, I'm looking in the grill, which is okay. a, a tourist destination, and 
I found a nice little spot that it's not on the market. So, it's that's, that's what I was going to say. You have to snap it up before somebody else. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But unfortunately, I'm a musician with not too much savings. That's the so. problem. Well, Laurie can hook you up with a couple of homosexuals who, <laughs> oh, who cool. make a lot of money and apparently can maybe have, I, have, I have three children to share. Yeah, right. Right yeah. Well, maybe you have, have a great-grand-niece over in Italy, you know, that can help you out. <laughs> What about a GoFundMe page for that? Oh, man, you know... I know that, it sounds I've, ridiculous, I've but... I've done that for records, and, and, and you always feel like you're attached to people after that. Like, I, I'm sorry I didn't send you the poster with my signature Why on didn't it. you send it? Because oh, the postage. I didn't realize how expensive <laughs> that shit was going to be oh, This is the way David comes in as your new manager. <laughs> exactly. I'm a guitar player, man. Don't make stupid mistakes you know? like that. Right. You should just promise, like, handshakes, and yeah, then not, no, that's it, you know? You know we, so, no, it's just... You know, I'm not... And I've never been... Um, uh, it took me a while before I even got a credit card. I don't like owing, owing people money. I like right. to just live with what I got and go with it from there. That's because, uh, and that way I've kept myself out of debt till fifty. So. That is it. Extremely yeah. impressive. You know, I, I I did. Katrina helped me. I turned my house into. I got an insurance payment instead of fixing it. I paid it off and fixed it myself. So, okay. you know, I don't, I own outright my house so that, here in New Orleans. That's so. amazing. Fantastic. That is. That's why I'm still be able to do with what I'm, you know, doing. I right. Mean, really, I, that decision, when I made it, I was like, oh, shit, you know, like, how am I going to fix this house? How did you, actually? Help of friends and learning how to do it. You can see where I started sheetrocking. It looks terrible. <laughs> by, by the end, it looks pretty good. <laughs> Luckily, my wife is not too particular, so we just, as long as the house is functional, we're cool. So you got flooded out there? Yeah. On we, the pole? We got, we, where are you? I'm, on like a, I'm over on General Taylor, right right below Ferret. Okay. And, uh, oh, right, just right at the yeah, last. Yeah, I had, I had for 14 inches in my house, my neighbor had three inches. Yeah. So it was just that much difference. Yeah. So. Once you start getting to Ferret Street, it just started, yeah. started going down completely mm-hmm. to zero. It was an odd situation, right. and we didn't but know if we'd ever come back. But, but strangely, it's worked out, though, because you got a whole bunch of money. You fixed it yourself. It worked out. It you worked own out. your own home now, and you can afford to go and move to Jamaica. Well, we could sell this house here and move to Jamaica. It's still kind of a pipe dream, but, you know. What about if you Airbnb'd the house out or something? Yeah, it's a, it's a possibility, but, you know, like, I've lived my whole life with these, I'm going to do this. Right. I'm going to do this. You know, I said I was going to play Tipitina's once. I've played there over 200 times now. You know, so like, yeah. I'm going to live in Jamaica. Mark my words. No matter how I get there, they wheel me there. So you've got the kind of, my dust there. Have you, got the kind, <laughs> have you got that kind of personality that you decide to do something and you do it? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. David, do you have that? Are you one of those kind of people who just decides to do something and does it? Is that how you've pulled this off? Uh, well, I think these, these projects sneak up on you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know... Uh, after uh, several losses in my family, and I bought the place knowing that somebody responsible should be doing what I did, uh, I found myself in a position that nobody else is going to do it except me. So I. Are you related to Dega somehow? Oh, no. No, not at all. Okay. No. So but what I, was the sense of duty that propelled you to do that? Well, uh, the house was on the market as pretty much an empty shell. There wasn't, uh, you know, it had been uh, run down for quite some time. Esplanade uh, Avenue was not in very good shape at the time. <clears throat> and um, I, quite frankly, I thought that the museum or the city of New Orleans would want to be, uh, would want to take this project on. And, uh, but I wasn't anticipating two losses in my family within a year. So at that point, you need a project. So try to keep your head straight. And, right. uh, you know. You could have taken ecstasy. <laughs> Saved yourself all this. Yeah, the airline wouldn't have liked that at all. <laughs> There's still time. Yeah, exactly. there, yes. there is still time. Laura's going to yeah. explain to you how you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I have 
have to ask uh, Billy a question. Yes, Hanger, you have to turn your mic up, though. So, so my yes, question is, how much are your Jazz Fest show tickets? Because we have a fan <laughs> here, Johnny Ray, saying he'll be sleeping out tonight to get tickets for his Jazz Fest show. Johnny Ray wow. is a special, special person, and it takes a special person to show that dedication to the music business, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Do you have a Jazz Fest show? I mean, though? I'm sorry that people have to pay... $185 to see me. <laughs> but you will get to see this band from England that's really hot, too. And they're coming on the same day. So, Are you playing Jazz Fest the same day as the Stones? Are you not yes, and I don't have guest passes. You know, <laughs> are you serious? Yes. So I, what yes, part of the day are you on? Uh, right now, the time is to be determined. I think the Thursday was such a mess for them, they're still okay. working out the so details. So the Stones are on last, obviously. Yeah, I will not be competing with them. <laughs> Holy shit, this but I is hope wild. I'm, I hope I get to see Ziggy Marley, really, that's my... So he's on the same day as you. Yeah. So it's your band? Is it the Restless Natives? Yes. And Dumpster Funk is playing as yeah. well? Yeah, Samantha Fish, Samantha Anders Fish. Osborne. Anders. Uh, I mean, there's... I can't remember all the names. This is yeah. great. Dude, do you get parking? Because that's the main Oh, part. yeah, we get parking. Okay, so we're in. Yeah. Okay, what, are we, what sort of a trade-off do we have to do? Well, we've got to, we've got to rent a big vehicle. We've got to, we've First, got to, we need a big vehicle. David has a trip to Paris to trade. Yeah, that would be a good trade, right? Hell yes. Do you fly to Montego Bay? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Are you serious? I just yeah. want to know, do you still have a Delta. plane? That's what no, Delta. you can fly anywhere in the world for free on Delta, and you can take somebody with you. So yeah. Delta doesn't go to Jamaica? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah they do. You okay, gotta go so through Atlanta in. or New York first, but yeah. Okay, so you're in. Okay, right we're there. we're all in. How many Stones tickets do you need? <laughs> well, I need more than what they're saying they're gonna allow us to buy. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's been a, it's been. Well, a, I, I mean, my father lives in in up north, and he instantly was like, "How am I gonna see you?" And I was like, "Don't worry, Dad. Remember, your name is Dad. You will get to see me." <laughs> okay, that is pretty cool. So Johnny Ray knows what's going on here. Then. Johnny Ray knows. Actually, too much. That's all I'll say. He knows, okay. he knows the scene inside and out. Yeah, he's, okay. a, he's a super fan. All right. So he's on it. Did it, you know, are you going to the Stone show? I, I doubt it. I'll probably be working, you know. That day? Yeah. What day is it? It's a Thursday. The Thursday, the second. Yeah. yeah. Well, the tickets go on sale tomorrow. So if you listen to this any other time, today is the uh, Wednesday, the 17th of January, is it, or the 16th? Tomorrow. 16th. Tomorrow's 16th. the 17th. Yep. And people are going to so, be, like, camping for it, right? I hear they're camping I was thinking of, like, going to go true? camp for other people's tickets, and they could pay me for it, like a ticket escort. Uh, there, there's plenty yes. of people yeah. that would do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can do that after the show, actually. <laughs> exactly. We'll go down there and see who will pay us some money. <laughs> right. Okay, so we got to get moving here, but, but let's get back to ecstasy. Sure. Okay, so <laughs> we got off the track Thank here God. when you, you got, you were looking at a website called maps.org, yes. which is a, a, a catalog of what's going on in the psychedelic research world. Right. And they said what? They're looking for... Well, they had put up a post that they were looking for participants for a trial here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and they listed an email there. And I immediately, that evening that I saw that post, uh, immediately emailed and I thought, well, I'll never get into this because they're going to get thousands and thousands of people. Right. Um, Free ecstasy, you would think. They <laughs> right, probably were. exactly. Right. Um, and uh, miraculously, I got a, a phone call um, within the probably about, I want to say it was within a couple days that I got a phone call. And in the phone call, it was just a very brief conversation, just asking, you know, if I had been clinically diagnosed with PTSD, um, a couple of uh, questions about that diagnosis. And then from there on, I went in and started meeting with the team. Um, 
because it's an FDA trial, or the one that I was in was an FDA trial, and there is phase three is going on right now. Um, I was in between phases two and three, and I was very fortunate because my phase, um, everybody got the drug. So well, none there was of, no placebo. No placebo. Wouldn't that be terrible if you they told you that it was ecstasy and it was just sugar? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, how, who would be stupid enough to think that? Well, That's I happened think... to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Billy's paid a lot of money for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was always a consumer and never, never selling. Never but, and it wasn't ecstasy, but I've gotten plenty of fake shit over the years. <laughs> well, everybody, yeah, but I mean, you'd be pretty pissed off if you were doing this for a trial. Well, well, the, no, well, yeah, the good news be. is, is in the trial, if you do get the placebo, at the end you get a chance to do the actual work with the, with the with the drug so even if you were part of the placebo group at the end they would say do you still want to go ahead and go and do the therapy with mdma so at least in i mean yes i agree it would be okay, so disappointing have you ever done ecstasy david no. seriously no have no. you've done it right i've done it like once or twice yeah. okay yeah. and you've done it before outside of this right you know i had done it like once or twice before but i don't think what i had done was actually ecstasy i think what i had done was pretty much like methamphetamine yeah. or something because what i experienced in the trial and, and granted this was com like combined with psychotherapy so the set and setting was very different than like scoring something on you know Decatur Street sure. <laughs> 3 a.m. So you, in a tutu but right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say this was a very different so set you and take setting. this you take a hit of ecstasy and you're in a controlled environment with a therapist? So yeah, before, so basically the way the trial works is what, there's a total of like 18 points of contact. So that means there's 18 different sessions and you do several sessions of regular therapy with this team before you're given the drug. And there's okay. only three experimental sessions where you're given the MDMA. Um, and the teams, what, they, what MAPS's protocol is at this point is it's a male and a female. Um, and you go in and you meet with them. I've been in therapy almost my whole life, so I'm very comfortable with therapists. It wasn't a problem for me to get comfortable in that um, situation but when you're given the medicine those days you're with a therapist in a room for about eight plus hours and in that time you can put on headphones and they have like a, a playlist that they developed that they had from the psilocybin research that was done um, at several different universities where they were treating cancer patients with mushrooms basically and so they had developed these different musical playlists um, and then you could put on head mask and cover up and kind of go in or you could talk if you wanted to there was no protocol to to it and it was very self-led so there wasn't they weren't directing me the therapists weren't like okay now hurry up get up get up let's talk about you being raped <laughs> like, you know well, it wasn't like that it was very much how do I get my music on those playlists yeah I know, yeah, I know right seriously <laughs> I mean that's my clientele I'm serious PTSD people on ecstasy you'd be amazed though sure. yeah I mean so that's your Spotify playlist <laughs> You literally just need to you need to start just tagging it with those hashtags like psilocybin <laughs> music, PT. You know, really. So you take the ecstasy, and are you telling the therapist that they're the most beautiful person ever, and I've always loved you? Yeah, <laughs> obviously. You know, you're just no, no. Really, what happens but, if you're well, in a room with a therapist and you take it? What happens is it's really it's really fascinating, and I, and it's really the magic of having the therapy with the medicine. To be honest with you, because what's happening when you take PTSD? A couple different things in the brain. For one, you're a amygdala, which is your fear center, is really quieted. So normally that's a part of your brain that makes you very anxious and fearful. Um, and also your prefrontal cortex is highlighted. So that's the part of your memory that's filled with, uh, or your part of your brain that brings up your memories and things like that. So what happens is you're able to remember things, but you're not overwhelmed with the emotion attached to them. And also because MDMA releases, releases oxytocin, you just feel good. You, like, you don't feel bad. Your whole body feels good. You're like, wow, I feel great. So you can review actual memories that come up 
and you only feel good about things and you don't you, feel I wouldn't any... say you I wouldn't say you only feel good you're able to review these things from a completely different perspective so each okay. of us I believe we have a narrative that we tell ourselves about our lives sure. right we fill this in constantly it's almost like we drive to work every day and we know the route we go and we just automatically drive that route even though there are other routes we could take that might get us there faster or are more beautiful we just always go the same way well our brain pathways are the are similar if traumas happen like we just react in the same way and it actually becomes then that we form those pathways so strongly that then we it shapes the way that we look at the world on a day-to-day basis outside of trauma but if we can go into them and revisit especially these things um you got to get that no are you sure (laughs) that's your drug dealer he's like listen i know you're looking for some mdma yeah (laughs) he's like oh look let me get you some hookup on the mdma no Um, so what we what can happen when we're when you're in the sessions is you're able to recall these events and you can see them with perspective that allows you then to react differently to them and it forms new neural pathways in your brain. Okay, it's incredible. So, so going for you in particular, mm-hmm. you had a terrible experience where you walked into a room and there was a horrible situation with your mom. Absolutely. How can you re what what better how can you better look at that what well is- I'll be honest with you like in that specific situation there were things that I could not remember because of the trauma no matter how hard I tried to remember them it right. was like somebody had made a videotape and just cut out splices of it right. when I was under the influence of MDMA in therapy with a team that I felt very supported by I could recall every aspect of that event and, and is in that ten, better in, or worse, absolutely, actually? because it also allowed me, for the first time in my life, to feel empathy for myself in that situation. I had never felt empathy for myself, and so that in itself is a miracle. You never, you honestly, you honestly never thought, "Why did this have happened to me? Why poor me?" I mean, I definitely why said, me, "Why did ever? that happen?" But that wasn't true empathy for myself. It was more of a frustration of like, "I should have known this was going to happen. I should have done something different." This you is really part- thought that absolutely you to really my thought that you to my core. Wow. Yeah. Well, you need help, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's terrible that you really thought you were responsible for it. I absolutely, absolutely did. And you would be surprised that so many people who suffer trauma, right. shame is such a huge component of it. We Ooh. don't even realize, too, just how insidious it is. It shapes the way that we react to ourselves and just the negative self-talk that comes out of that. When my whole life, if I didn't do or perform to the level I thought I should, which is why I was such an overachiever, I was constantly talking down to myself. So I could never really enjoy anything. I mean, I think that goes with human nature. I mean, on many levels. I mean, as you're growing as a teenager, you go through that, like the shame and the molding yourself in that way. I mean, so it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I, I get where you where you were able to see it from a different perspective. Yeah, I think that's, that, yeah, it's the mir- it's the, really the miracle of that. It's perspective, right? Yeah. It's a change in the narrative that we tell ourselves. And even if that doesn't just, it's not like then I can always just feel high on ecstasy, like I feel great all the time. Sure. But having seen something, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's an inherent knowledge. And, you know, I, I've been in therapy with my regular therapist for years, and I stayed with her during this whole process. And she even said, she's like, what I was able to attain in just these three sessions was what most people get out of 20 years of yeah. traditional therapy. That's what I was going to say. Like, age is the only other way you can see those perspectives. Exactly. And sometimes you don't live long enough to see those yeah. perspectives. And why do we have to suffer that long is my well, question. No, you know, and, and because this happened and I was a part of it, one of the main reasons why I'm writing a book about it is because I want more people to know about this. And I want this to become, they're hoping MAPS is working to make this, It's a, right now MDMA is a Schedule One drug, which means that it's right up there with like LSD, heroin, meaning it has no pharmaceutical benefit whatsoever. MAPS is working to get that change and hopefully by 2021 it will be because in my opinion 
everyone should have the option to have this treatment if they want to. Yeah. I'm not going to say it will work for 100% of the people because I don't believe in saying that. I think it's actually detrimental to people with trauma when you say this is the thing that's going right. to save you. But I do believe that this is so valuable and this is one of the reasons I'm writing about it and why I talk about it a lot because I really, it saved my life. I want it available for everybody. I agree with wow. you. Tom. I was saved by Kratom, which is a plant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and they're trying to schedule they're trying that right too. Right now, exactly. What, what is that, Billy? Well, I, when I was in a car accident in 2004 and I was prescribed per Percocets and Vicodin and all that. And, you know, I, I went that road for a long time. I went cold turkey during Katrina because people thought I was pharmacy shopping. And then I came back and started buying on the street just to heal my pain. And then I discovered Kratom, or some people say Kratom. Mm -hmm. How do you spell that? It, it's spelled with a K, K R A T O M. And it's, it's, it's an herb from, from Asia, mm -hmm. and people have been using it for years. It's amazing. You know about I have not had an opiate in four, almost four years now because of that. Yeah, a lot of people, and so, the Kratom thing amazing. is really amazing because the FDA a year ago tried to make it a Schedule yeah. two or I believe, drug, and everybody marched on the FDA and said, please do not do this. Right. This, is, this is literally like helping to stop the opioid crisis, it which is. is another big passion of mine to talk about because that is so horrible in this country right now. And Kratom, they have Kratom bars in places. They have one here yes, they, in New Orleans, did. don't they? I don't know if they still yeah. do, and so they did. You yeah. can, it's, you right, it's right in the Dega house. It saved me, too. I, could yeah. not, I didn't even realize that I was doing what I was doing. My wife started pointing it out to me, and uh, you know, I didn't know it had a grab on me. I had done drugs my whole life and able to put them down. You know, and, uh, you know, I went through 10 years of doing cocaine and then just didn't do it again. You right. know, and then other things. So I always thought I had control on that shit, but the, the pills because they're synthetic and stuff they really grab you and and i know it works for heroin people but like you said the key thing is it's individual because some people it doesn't work for right. but for me it worked and it should be available to people so how did you actually get off the opiates and just from taking crack what does it look like is it it's a, a powder i get it in a powder form and i mix it with orange you juice and i drink it, it. Mm -hmm. i'm still taking so you it. have to keep taking it you don't a lot of people I, don't. I, I have chronic pain. Mm -hmm. You do still. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have piriformis and sciatica, so I, I deal Gosh. with chronic pain. So I take it for that. But I've, I've, I went from a high dosage to now I'm just like on two or three grams at a time, which is basically nothing. And but, also it doesn't impair you, so you can no, still work and drive no, right. and do everything. It's nothing. No, there's no high. Yeah, on. and I think also like going to what you were saying, Billy, is it's really hard when you're prescribed drugs. Also, it's easier to get hooked to them because I your doctor is doing, telling you yeah. this is what you need for your pain. They were giving me 90 Vicodin 10s a month. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, and they so know. it is amazing to have Kratom. Can and, you and, still get them though? Hell <laughs> no, and I don't want your, your drug dealer's about to call again. <laughs> I can call that guy back and see if he can help you. Train out. it for some MDMA. No, but I mean, that's, that's, you know, and I, I commend you on what you're doing. Thank yeah. you. More David, what kind of drugs that. are you on? Grant, what kind of drugs are you on? Baby, baby aspirin today. Are you doing that for your heart, really? Yeah. Yeah. Good, man. Does it work? He's still um, here. Did you, have a heart, did you have a heart problem? No. So you just take Not it as a preventive? Oh, it was a suggestion. It was a prophylactic, as they say. Yeah. Exactly. It was a suggestion from your doctor? Yep. Okay. Not from the drug dealer. Okay. No. Listen, Billy, before yeah. we get... Hey, Thomas, did you want to say something before... No, you're moving on. Okay. Billy, you want to play something else? You want to play something off the old, new sure. album? Or I'll play something what? older. Okay. That let, we'll uh, take it up a little bit, I guess.
where you gonna go where you gonna find yourself and I'll just stay here and pick up what you left if there was a way to turn back the hands of time and see your face and hold you one more time you go on and make your way and I see you And I see you Where you gonna go? I won't be far behind That being said It's all just a matter of time If I had wings I'd fly away from here And fly so high Fly to you, my dear. You go on and make your way, and I see you through any day. But that's okay. Anyway, I see you, and I see you. Where you gonna go? Who you hoping to find? And I see you. And I see you. All right. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Very nice. Indeed. Is that, now what's that off? What album is that off? That's off Naked. Naked. That was the one that was for like 2013 or something? Uh, yeah, that's a few years back. Yeah, yeah That's right. kind of where I changed my style a little bit, started writing songs. I got really into like Jason Isbell and all these songwriters, and I, I wanted to write songs that people could visualize. So instead of just these jams that I was writing and right. making hippie spin, I decided to attach some songs to it. So was it Jason Isbell that inspired you to do that? Really? Yeah, I, I love his songwriting. Not him alone. I right. love Paul Weller's a big influence on me. Steve Winwood. I mean, and then the obvious, you know, the Nevels, right. the Meters, the, the Little Feats, the Grateful Dead, and all that. But I, I always, I'm old enough to say that I like songs attached with jams. I'm in a jam band. We do a lot of jamming, but I like right. a song to be a part of it. So. Who is it? Scam likely. Well, I like that guy's that's, name. Is that his name? Great that's my new yeah. manager. <laughs> Scam I likely. I, that wasn't my imagination, right? That did actually say that. Yeah, yeah. Pull that up on your phone again. Scam. The person's name is Scam yeah. likely. Yeah, it's a true caller. What it starts out to scams, any marketing calls, anything like that. Hey, talk to cool. the mic a sec here. That's awesome. Come over oh, here. Oh, sorry. So, uh, so that says when the phone rings and it's like a telemarketer, it's yeah, telling you exactly. this is likely to be a scam. It's a scam. Scam it's likely. It's just an app. True yeah. caller. It, oh, it sorts out that. everything. Does that you too. have that yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. Lord, that's it's amazing. amazing. How about that? Billy, we need to get on that. Yeah. 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 Scam. It's like the ponytail. You guys are still on yeah. a flip phone. You got a flip phone. What's going on? I say, a burner. That is, that's really cool. Do you have to pay for that app, you guys, or is it I free? don't think so. I don't, my no. phone just came with it. Yeah. Yeah. I have an Android. It didn't come with it, but it's, uh, 
I have an Android. What do you have? I have, I have an iPhone. I have an iPhone. Oh, you okay. should have it. So yeah. we Android. Me too. Well, I, I have an Android. Okay, so daughter. let's get it. Scam <laughs> likely. What's yeah, it called? Right. True Call. True Caller. True Caller. Okay, that's yeah. definitely. I'm looking into that. Yeah. Just, Me just too. for the scam likely alone. <laughs> I thought it was something. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was you. That could be my manager. Yeah. Scam, scam likely. I'd like to be my manager. So, are you looking for management really? By the sound of it. Uh, no. Not really. You no, do it I've yourself? always kind of do it all myself. I mean, you know, if the right person came along, and there are a few out there that I would definitely take, but. Um, it's, yeah. it's kind of nice having the control at this point. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. Right, so Since not... I was 17, I'm going to be 50. So. so what would a manager do for you that you couldn't do? Take uh, this... Actually, nothing. Just take a percentage <laughs> and get me in doors I can't open. Yeah. But, but uh, do, what know... do you want to do that you're not doing? Nah, not much these days. Nothing? No, so I pretty, no... I'm pretty much... Uh, there's only a few more things I want to accomplish. What are they, I'm pretty then? happy with what I've done. What do you, what's the next one? Other than the house in Jamaica, which, that's the big one right which is now. <laughs> that's the big one right now. But what, I mean, professionally, though. professionally, I would I would like to have a little more stability. It's not a very stable lifestyle, and right. I, I think I'm asking for too much with that, you know, in what I've chose. So, um, but maybe a little more stability, like a regular gig or something. No, or? just a little more work. On, you know, it goes up and down. You know, there's months right. where I don't work, then there's months where I have ten gigs. You know, so it's well. It's, this is where management would probably or possibly help. Possibly, but they're not out there. You know, it's not an easy thing to find. Yeah. It's a very clicky right. world. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for a literary agent right now, and I've got a collection of all my rejection letters. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Sounds plenty like of rejection letters. But yeah. you've got a great story, and you must be able to find an agent with that story. Well, we'll or a publisher. See. Do you need an agent, or can you send I would like, well, I could send it probably to a publisher, but um, I'd really like to work with an agent to get a good editor to work with it. As you should, um, yeah. You right. know, and help me get published with a major publishing company. That's the goal. So hopefully well, I'm sure I'll come back on this Well, I'm sure there's a lot of literary people listening to this. Let's hope right so, now, right? Yes. This has got, we've got a very big literary audience. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, so if you're for, listening. You're looking for a manager. Where would you find one of those? How do you, I mean, you're looking for an agent. You mm-hmm. send those, like you send so off. I've been, yeah, I've been sending out query letters and query packages. I've probably queried about 35 potential agents so far. I've already gotten five rejections, so I still feel like I'm... So there's 20 out there. Yeah, there's so well, 30 out there, so I'm waiting. That might be better yeah. than the music business, because usually you only get one answer out of 30 in the music business. Yeah. So five is pretty good. Well, they've all been really positive, like, rejections, Just which makes me answer, feel like... Just even an answer, whether yeah. it's... I mean, an answer. Right. At this point, I feel like I'm on, like, the tender of well, literary agents. Like, like, please <laughs> swipe right. Someone swipe right on What, is what the, do I need to do? What is the general response? What is there a... Um, most of the responses just say that they don't particularly handle that type of work. In other words, they're not working with personal essays or memoirs. You know, so it's really hard okay. when you're writing a memoir because you're not—you're definitely not fiction, but you're not typical nonfiction. It's not like a cookbook or an instructional. So, manual. have you already done this? Have you already looked at books that are in the same genre as yours and Abs- tried to find who's published? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the biggest one right now is going to be um, the one that just came out by Michael Pollan. How to Change Your Mind is really amazing. Right. If you guys haven't looked at that, it's a great book. Um, you know, but he went with—he—he's kind of. He's already He's, famous when exactly. you wrote that book. So, right. It wasn't like, it, you know, there's not, at this point, there aren't a ton of um, psychedelic memoirs that, there aren't any that I know of that are about being a part of a trial. Like, people write about their drug use, but usually it's more illegally. The cool thing is I get to write about it legally, which is really awesome. It sounds because, like yeah. there'd be some sort of tie-in with the, sure. with the National Institute of Health or some sort of... I think I, you respectable know, type. Yeah, I think so. It's just also you know it's written from my own voice, and as you know, I have a. 
<laughs> Maybe I'm not as strong. But do you, well, you're I powerful. Mean, the mainstream doesn't see things the way we see things. Like, right. I mean, and unfortunately, you know, when you talk about that, it's still way out there to some people. It, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I really hope to get this book published by a major publishing company is not, I mean, obviously making, you know, money would be lovely, as we all know. Sure, but, but truly is in order for most people to be able to see this work. Yeah. Because I right. think that if you personalize these things, a lot of times we hear about PTSD and we think of wartime. Mm -hmm. But if we personalize it and we realize that, like, a lot of us have trauma, you know, and, this, and if, it, if it helped me, I really, you know, fuck, I think it'll help most people. Yeah, <laughs> so, we have to get out of here, but let's just end this by asking you the simple question. Are you happy now? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm so able to really, happy. you know, it's more about being able to be present in the moment. And that is just unbelievably beautiful. Nothing wow. I would have ever expected to have. So, yes. Wow. Nice. So you actually, so you can get rid of all the things that you were searching for for happiness, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, I'm still going to do those you're things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we get out of here, thank yes, you very much to Basics Swim and Gym, where you can get a full range of fashion, swimsuits, workout, and yoga clothes with style. Basics Swim and Gym is next to the lingerie store, Basics underneath on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. Thank you too to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Go to hdestroyer.com and write happy hour in the coupon code and get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer and you too can seize the dawn. The Positive Vibrations Foundation create and encourage community through the development and preservation of the arts, music, culture and heritage and who doesn't like that after all. So thank you very much to the Positive Vibrations Foundation and if you'd like to be a member of our Patreon family go to patreon.com and search for It's New Orleans Happy Hour and for as little as a dollar a month you too can be a part of our Happy Hour family and get all sorts of exclusive stuff. Andrew Duhon is out on the road you can find his new album False River on Spotify and all other places where you can steal music from and if you want to see him live check out andrewduhon.com he's on the west coast this week Billy Ayuso has been here thank you so much for being thank here and playing us two awesome it. songs it's been great to meet you appreciate it and we're looking forward to your birthday party on the 25th of 25th. January yes. 2018 if you listen to this after that it's too late and we'll see you at Jazz Fest opening for the Rolling Stones. I bet you never thought you'd say that sentence. It's a great resume builder. Come on. So that's something. Yeah, you're right. That's amazing. David Villaruby has been here from the Degas House on Esplanade Avenue. If you'd ever like to get married or get a free trip to Paris, <laughs> go down to the Degas House. You can find them online. And Laurie Tipton, thank you so much for being our most popular guest of all time. Oh, thank you guys for, for having me. I love it. Us. I love being on the show. It's amazing. It's great thank to you. have you. I'm and glad you're finally happy. Yes. <laughs> what a nice way to end happy hour. Yeah, right. The producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our music producers are Christian Owner and Monique Pyle. And happy birthday, Monique Pyle. It's my next birthday today. Our technical director is Thomas Walsh and our li Facebook Live feed director who put this whole thing on Facebook Live is Asher Griffith. Our fact checker and social media connector is Andrew Searock. April Love Solf is our live coordinator today. Hi, April. Welcome back to New Orleans. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for about an hour while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. It's neworleans.com. We can also check out many other happy hours we produced previously as well as some other shows to make around here including Out to Lunch with Peter Rashidi live from Commander's Palace, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tucker, and our award-winning podcast about death called Death the Podcast. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on a bunch of time-sucking social media 
Like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all of it were called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our New Orleans Facebook page and on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com if you listen to this on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for subscribing to us. Take a moment if you've got one to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. If you listen to this on Spotify, you can follow us and get happy hour delivered each week. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans. Happy Hour is a production of I Know Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com for Andrew Duhon who's on the road, everyone else around here at uh, Wayfair, around the table at Wayfair, and back at our office at INO Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here next week for more Happy Hour. All right, everybody.